Thank you very much, and it is lovely to be here this morning. Um, those of you that don't know, I'm a member of the congregation at Christ the Redeemer up the road, and I do live in White Hill Road with my husband and two not-so-small boys. Um, and today we're going to be diving into the story of Caleb, um, which is... I'm going to break, there we go, story of Caleb. Um, and we're going to be exploring some of the ways that he was countercultural in his time and what it means to us today in our time. Caleb was a man who was wholeheartedly faithful to God and who waited and who eventually had good things in this world. And we're going to be looking as well at what we're really waiting for today. So today's reading is from Joshua. It is 14, 6 to 15. So Joshua 14, 6 to 15, if you're following along. It's going to be up here as well. Um, so it is the land allotted to Caleb. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, some son of Jephunneh, the Kesanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people sink. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since that time, since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to the battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Aconites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kesanite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from the war. So other than a lot of big names of things. Um, so I think the thing about this passage is we're actually starting today at the end of the story. So the story starts in Numbers 13. And I think Catherine, when she sent things out, she included that, so some of you may have read that already. So Moses, in Numbers 13, sends 12 men out, so one from each of the tribes of Israel, to explore the land around them. So they were exploring, they were in this new land, and they went out for 40 days. So obviously that's 40 days happens a few times in the Bible. Um, and then they returned 
to share their learnings and to tell people what they found. And things get really interesting in there because they, there was disagreement among the 12. Caleb saw a land of milk and honey, whereas the other ones said, no, they're, they're big and scary and they're strong and we can't take that land. And they were afraid of what was there. But, and so what Caleb thought was should happen was different from what everybody else was saying. Caleb said, right, let's go take this land. We can do this. And the others, they went against that, right? So we go back to today's passage, starting in verse 7, where Caleb explains. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh to explore the land. And I brought him back a report based on my convictions but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So I can imagine what that was like, you know, sitting there, this meeting of all of these leaders, and they had a huge row about, well, I saw this, and I saw that, and you're wrong, and we can't do that. And it was only Caleb who stood up and said, no, that's not true. This is the truth as I've seen it. And that meant not only did he refuse to be swayed by what the group was saying, so when they were all saying, no, you can't do that, he didn't go, oh, I guess you're probably right. He went, no, I know this in my heart. So he, he went... He saw what he saw and he reported it. And then he went against what the crowd was saying. And he stood his own because that's what he knew God wanted him to do in that moment, even though the group was going against him. And so as it continues, so in, in Numbers 14, when they're, the, the, when they're talking about this same incident, it, it sounds an awful lot like the rest of them were spending a lot of time moaning and complaining. And they say, in Numbers 14, they say, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. So there was an awful lot of this going on. But Caleb was strong against this and stood by his convictions and what he knew God was saying to him. So when I was preparing and reading the phrase, raised their voices and wept aloud, I kept coming back to social media and how much of our lives is played out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And, and how much in our society people are willing to moan and complain. And shout and weep aloud about things that they don't like the look of or they don't like the sound of. Or he did that or she did this, right? Um, and how much people will change their story as well when things get hard or when they get challenged about things. And I can think of so many times when I've seen a thread on Barnwell Babble about something that people are getting in a state about or a chatter in a group WhatsApp or you know whatever it is, pick your platform. Now, I'm really good at writing comments and then deleting them and never posting them. Does anybody else do that? <laughs> Yes, I respond and then I delete it. And I go, no, I'm not going to wade in. I'm not going to stick my oar in on there. I'm just going to let them carry on moaning and complaining, right? And so, and it really challenged me when I was preparing today because is, 
by not wading in, by not challenging the things that are not of God, yes, I'm not saying the wrong thing, but am I being what I should be in that situation? Is it actually the place to be more Caleb? He stood by his convictions and he said, no, this is what's right, Lord. So is it enough just for us as Christians to act differently, to make better choices in our own lives? Or should we be doing more to challenge the behaviors, thoughts, and comments that we see other people doing? Um, so rather than deleting comments that are not, and not wading in, should I be actively challenging? And I think as Christians, we need to think about how much we're going against culture. You know, our being a Christian is countercultural in our day. In Jesus' day, he went against the expected behavior of the day. And in lots of times, Jesus went against the law of the day because that was what God had called him to do. And being a Christian today still goes against the crowd. It's not cool. It's not on trend. And more often than not, being a Christian in our society means acting differently than the people around us. And doing that visibly. So I challenge you to spend some time this week thinking about when you can be more Caleb. When do you need to be stronger in your convictions? Is there a time that maybe you need to stand up to the crowd or call somebody out for something? So we're going to go back to today's passage. We're going to pick up in verse 9. So in verse 9 it says, So on that day Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So Caleb was promised good things in this world because he followed God and stuck to his convictions. It's great, right? That's good. Follow God and get good things, right? Is that, if only being a Christian was that easy, right? Um, so I'm going to come back to the good things, but first we're going to look at the kicker in the story. So in verses 10 and 11, Caleb goes on to explain that he's been waiting 45 years and is now 85 years old. He's still strong and vigorous. He's ready for, for battle. The Lord has preserved him in those 45 years. But he's waiting for the land, for the inheritance he was promised. And finally, after the 45 years, Joshua gave Caleb the land of Hebron, and the land had rest from war. So it's, a, it's good news. Caleb got what he was waiting for. But it was 45 years. I mean, 45 years is a really long time. If you put that into context, if you wanted something that you were promised in 1978, you'd be getting it today. So we all get bell bottoms and long hair. Yes? <laughs> and if you think of something that you want today, a good thing in this world you want today, say the new iPhone that was launched this weekend, Right? So you can have that new iPhone in 2068. <laughs> now, I, don't, I, I can't even really 
understand how long that is, really. But imagine wanting something now, a thing now, that you still want then. I mean, your iPhone would be useless by then. The technology would have moved so on. And you'd spend your, you know, 45 years with your old cracked screen and your phone that doesn't do much, right? And so can you imagine still being happy to get that thing then? You know, because Caleb was ready. He was wholly ready for this thing he'd been promised. And he knew it was exactly the right thing for him. So Caleb was waiting and ready for that promised good thing. But he wholeheartedly trusted that God would provide it in his time. And this was something else when I was thinking about and preparing for today and praying. We hear people talk about God's timing, right? And depending on where you're sitting, that can either be comforting or really, really frustrating. Yeah? So some people take really great comfort in knowing that God has it. That God will provide when God provides. It will come when it comes. And this seems to be how Caleb was. He knew he was promised it. He knew God was true and God was a provider. And it would come to him eventually. And all he had to do was do as he was told and continue to have faith. But to contrast, oops, can't touch that. So to contrast, Abraham in Genesis 15, um, he was promised he would have a son to inherit. Um, and, I, you know, Abraham started and, you know, but then his wife didn't conceive. And it looked like this is never going to happen. You promised me, you know, you promised me this son, Lord. And so that story, he ends up conceiving a son with his wife's servant. That didn't go very well. And eventually Abraham did have a son with his wife. But he didn't believe and wholeheartedly wait and trust that God would provide it in God's way. He tried to go off and do it himself. And thereby making all sorts of other problems at the same time. So I think the thing that's become really clear to me in my life and, you know, in the story of Abbey People and, and lots of others is that God's timing isn't always our timing. And it occurs to me to, you know, think about, are you okay with that? Are you okay to wait on God's timing? Like Caleb, wholeheartedly trusting that he will provide. I mean, how, how long would you have faith? And how long would you wholeheartedly believe that even when I can't see it, you're working? So here's my final point and the most important one. Caleb was promised good things in this world. He waited faithfully for them to come and he got them. Caleb was promised good things in this world. Right? God works in this world for us. He's an amazing provider. You know, we've heard today as we celebrate harvest about the provision that God gives us every day, that the provision that God has brought to Abbey people, um, where, and we probably all have stories of times when God has been with us in dark moments, where we've prayed for people and they've been healed. But we also know that we live in a broken world. And we're in a broken world where we don't all get all the good things we want in this world. We see stories at the food hub and on the news of people who are struggling. You know, where things go wrong, where there's crises, 
where there isn't enough to go around. And for many of us here in Barnwell, life is hard. We struggle day to day. People get sick, and sometimes it doesn't feel like prayers are answered. But the most important thing in this story is there's good news. Caleb was promised good things in this world. But we've been promised good things in heaven. Jesus' death and resurrection means that there will be good things in heaven. We are forgiven. Whatever we face in this world, Jesus is above it all. And by accepting Jesus and living our lives in his name, we're promised good things in heaven with Jesus. So the good news is that we don't have to wait for good things to happen in this world. We don't have to wait for our inheritance. We don't have to wait for the physical things. Jesus' death on the cross means we don't have to wait anymore. Because we are forgiven. Caleb's story is one of a man who followed God's leading, who was true to his convictions in the face of opposition from those in his community, and a story of someone who waited faithfully for God to provide. But for me, the real beauty in this story is the parallels with Jesus' life. Jesus faced opposition in his ministry, and from the government of the day, Jesus was faithful to God even when he was asked to make the ultimate sacrifice. And in making that sacrifice, he has paid the price for us all. Whatever you're waiting for, Jesus is here with you. Whatever struggles you have, Jesus is here. And whatever is going on in this world, Jesus is above it all. So in a moment, I'm going to hand back over to Catherine and we're going to take some time to respond. But I wanted to leave you with just a couple of questions and thoughts. Do you need to be more Caleb? Do you need to be stronger in your convictions to stand up to the crowd or maybe call someone out for something that isn't of Jesus? Do you need to wait more faithfully? Do you need to wholly trust that God will be provided, that God will provide in his time? And then whether this is the first time or the 500th time that you've heard the good news about Jesus, is it time for you to turn wholeheartedly to him? Or maybe it's time for you to turn wholeheartedly back to him. So let's pray. Thank you, God, for the story of Caleb.